Uh, we're continuing with our series on the book of Joshua. Uh, you guys can bring up the, the slides for me there. Uh, this week, we're in week number five. The message titled, we're having this problem again, so you're going to have to advance it for me, uh, Donnie and Steve. Um, miraculous unity. So unity is a powerful idea. Most of us would acknowledge to some degree or other that when people are unified, we can do greater things than if we're just walking around as individuals. <clears throat> My question for you is, have you ever experienced the joy and satisfaction that can come from being in a group that is unified? I mean, it's a beautiful thing, but sadly, I think we could all admit, sadly, unity can rarely be sustained for long. So I remember 9-11, <clears throat> how after 9-11 happened, America was unified. It was powerful. Everyone was united. Everyone was proud to be an American, Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians. Everyone was proud. And people together were searching for answers. And many were turning to God for those answers. Churches, especially on Long Island and in New York City, were packed and growing for months. It sparked a new wave of church planting. I don't know if you know that. After September 11, 2001, there was this big jump in church plants. Remember how America felt different after 9-11? It was a tragedy, but something was good about it because we had been brought together by that tragedy. But then, about three months later, it was all gone. Politics took over. Arrogance took over, agendas took over, and that's frankly how unity often goes in this world. But here's the difference. God's people cannot afford to have that kind of fleeting unity. When it comes to following our Jesus, our unity with each other is mission critical. As a matter of fact, Jesus and the apostles commanded us that one of our main priorities was to pursue and preserve unity at all costs. Because going into the land, following the Great Commission, would require our unity. So how can we make sure that grace life maintains its unity? How can we make sure that no matter what happens, we are all going to be going in the same direction? What is it that might cause us to become disunified? I believe the answer is found in Joshua chapter 3 and the story of Israel finally crossing the Jordan River. We're doing the entire chapter today. It's a little bit longer passage, so just recognize that. But let's read Joshua chapter 3 together. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim. And they all came to the Jordan and lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, the officer went through the camp. The officers went through the camp and commanded the people, As soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, <clears throat> your God, being carried by the Levitical priests, you show the way you shall go. For you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, prepare, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. <clears throat> And Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant, pass before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. The Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. 
As for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the people, come and listen to the words of the Lord your God. Here is how you shall know that the living God is among you and will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, and the Perizzites. The Gishara, I'm, I'm not going to read those. You guys know what they say, right? <laughs> I don't want to make a mistake in front of you, okay? Verse 11, behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. It's going before you into the Jordan, the ark of the covenant. Therefore, take 12 men, one from each of the tribes of Israel. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, step into the waters of the Jordan, the waters shall be cut off from flowing and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. So the people set out from before their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before them. And as soon as those bearing the Ark came as far as the Jordan and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped in the bank of the water, now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city beside Zarethan. Those following down toward the Sea of Bereba, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off. The people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry land in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel passed over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. It does sound like the Red Sea story, doesn't it? It's by design. But there's so much more here. I want you to understand there's important history in this story about crossing the Jordan. You see a picture up here. This is actually what the Jordan looks like during the springtime. When the snows on the mountains are melting and they flow down and the rains come, it's not a trickling stream. It is a torrent. <clears throat> so the spies returned from Jericho with this incredible story that we finished up last week about Rahab and her faithfulness and how the city is vulnerable. Jericho is vulnerable because they're afraid. There's four days left until Passover, just four. And everyone gets up very early in the next day to begin a three-day journey to cross the Jordan River. This is a journey to a place they've never been before. <clears throat> they don't know the land. They don't know the way. They don't even know the obstacles waiting for them. Like, for example, the Jordan River will be a torrent. But God tells Joshua, I will show the people that I am with you and with them the same way I was with Moses and their parents. And this inspires Joshua. He gathers all the people and says, get ready, because God is going to do some amazing stuff among you and with you today. The leader of each of the 12 tribes gives critical, critical instructions from God to all the people that they will need to follow. None of them have made this trip. It's sort of like us when we are called to live by faith, is it not? They'll need to trust God to show the way. But everyone's excited and they're anxious. So what do they do? What would you do if you're getting ready to do something exciting but you've never done it? You're going to listen intently to any instructions that people are giving you. They are listening to God's instructions and they're listening well. Their mind isn't wandering. They're listening. The priests will carry the Ark of the Covenant, which, by the way, is an earthly symbol of God's presence dwelling among his people. Much more on that later. 
They will carry the ark, and through the ark, God is going to reveal the way that they've never been before, the path, the direction they're supposed to go, and the entire nation will follow from a half mile behind. Why? So they have enough time to see and react. It's a nation. It's not a hundred people. It's thousands, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands that are following. So they they need time. It's like a cruise ship. So they're staying about a mile and a, or about a half mile behind. When they see the ark make a turn, they know okay, there's a turn coming up. They have time to communicate to everyone. Then there are more instructions given to the priests, by the way, who are carrying this ark. This is also critical to the success of the nation crossing the river. When they reach the banks of the Jordan River, we've got some issues. We're going to kind of work through this. When they reach the banks of the Jordan River, they are to step into the ark. But it's a torrent of water, as you can see. This is actual pictures of the Jordan River during this time of year. But God says, once you put your feet in the water, by the way, he's not going to stop the water before they put their feet in. They have to put their feet in first, then he'll stop the water. He says, I'll pile the water up. Because crossing the Jordan in the spring is a difficult thing, even if you were just a handful of people that are experienced in that sort of stuff. But this is an entire nation of women, And children who have never been this way, never crossed the Jordan, nobody really knows what the heck they're doing. You know, even to this day, between heavy rains and melting mountain snow, the river of the Jordan River will flood and rage. Matter of fact, just about 10 years ago, there was a big flash flood that killed many people in flooded streets and caused millions of dollars of property damage. Now, here's the thing. Inside the Ark of of the Covenant that they're carrying into this torrentious river are three things. It's the law tablets of Moses that God gave him the Ten Commandments. There's Aaron's rod and there's this pot of manna. These are three very precious artifacts that remind God's people of his presence. So not only are the priests carrying the ark, they're also a half mile in front of any military protection. So if people who are spying on the nation of Israel wanted to come in and swoop in and kill them, they could. Every nation is spying on them, by the way. They all know the Jews are coming. So their priests are carrying the ark. They're leading an entire nation with a half mile away from any soldiers. It contains these precious items. They're in a strange land they've never been in. They're about to step into a raging river. That's not a stressful job at all. And after they step into the river, not before... God begins to clear the riverbed. And there they are, standing with the ark in the middle. And they stand there till every Jew, every Jew crosses the river safely. The entire nation. That wasn't 15 minutes. It's a full day of standing in the river. Water piled up on both sides. And immediately as the people are walking across the dry riverbed and they see the Ark of the Covenant, they're all reminded and they recognize the link to what God did for Moses and their parents at the Red Sea. But that was the whole point. Together they all witness the evidence of God's presence with them. Not just in the water, but the Ark. Just like the story they had heard about and read about in Moses' book of Exodus. So that's the history of the passage Let's look at the, um, you guys will click it forward for me, Donnie, it's not working. So let's look at the spiritual section. I've entitled this section, United by God's Presence. So obviously, 
there is this miracle of God stopping the flow of the Jordan River. But that miracle doesn't happen without the first miracle. That first miracle is their unified obedience to God's directions. That's the first miracle. Everyone, the whole country, on the same path, on the same page, together, following God's instructions. It's not like a hundred people. This is an entire nation of people, men, women, children, babies, and all their suitcases. <laughs> can you imagine what a disaster crossing that Jordan, can you imagine what a disaster that operation would have been if they had not been unified in their obedience? What would have happened if some of them chose not to follow the priests and the ark? What if one of the tribes started saying, you know what, we can probably find a shortcut, a better way, a place where the river's not as deep, where it doesn't rage as much. Meh, we'll find a safer way to cross the Jordan. What if another tribe said, I think we're just going to wait till after Passover, which is in three or four days. Maybe then the water will subside a little bit. The river will be more passable. What if those other tribes who were going to stay on the other side, we talked about them a few weeks ago, the people who raised cattle, and they had committed to fight with the Jews, the rest of their brothers. What if they went back on their promise to invade the promised land with them and said, you know what, this crossing the river thing is kind of stupid. We're just going to stay over here. We've got our houses. We've got our cattle. Our family's comfortable. Here's the good news. This wasn't the previous generation of their parents who the scripture calls, I'm not saying this, the scripture called them complainers and whiners. They always complained to Moses about God. None of them are saying, are you nuts, Joshua? We aren't following these stupid priests carrying the ark into a raging river. That's insanity. And these priests, you know, they aren't exactly experienced, trained wilderness guides. <laughs> Yet they are all unified and they all follow. What is the catalyst for their unity? What inspires their collective faith and trust in the presence of God, represented by the Ark of the Covenant? I think it's specifically three attributes of his presence among his people, represented by the items that were in the Ark they were carrying that inspired their unified obedience. The first one, go to the next slide, is God's Word. <clears throat> So the law tablets given to Moses by God in Exodus 20, and then they were repeated in Deuteronomy 5, they symbolize God's presence through his word. You understand God's word is a symbol of his presence for us today. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. So Israel's willingness to submit itself to the law of God made them different from any other nation on earth. No other nation would ever bother to live in accordance to this silly moral law that Moses got on the top of a mountain, like the one God directed his people to live by. And when the people and the priests heard the word of God that was given to Mo uh, Joshua, they trusted that the word of God was true, that he would do what he says. By faith, everyone wants to follow exactly what God says to do, and doing so keeps them all unified on the same path. So you see, obedience to God's word created unity. It's sort of like what Jesus says, is it not? When he says, my sheep know me, they hear my voice, and they follow me wherever I go. 
So obeying God's word created unity. The next thing we see in the Ark of the Covenant is a symbol of God's authority. But why were they willing to trust and obey God's word that he gave to Joshua? Because they know that Joshua's authority came from God. The attribute of God's presence of his authority is symbolized by something called Aaron's rod. Let me tell you what it is. The story, just give you a quick summary. The story of that is in number 17. The time had come for God to appoint representatives that would represent his spiritual authority among his people. Whatever tribe would become the priests. He commanded a leader from each tribe to bring a staff, a walking staff to Moses, who was going to put them inside the tabernacle overnight. Whichever staff sprouted flower buds, that man's staff represented that tribe. They would become the tribe of priests and represent God's spiritual authority among his people. And it was Aaron's staff that not only budded but bloomed flowers, and that became a symbol of God's complete authority over all his people. It's kind of like Jesus when he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. He's not a way, he's the way. Then the next thing that we see about God's presence is his provision. That's the bowl of manna. See, obeying God's word and submitting to his authority isn't always easy, especially when you're entering unknown territory, when you're not sure where your next meal might come from. So the bowl of manna in the ark was symbolic of God's faithfulness to always provide what his people needed when they were obedient. So God provided manna to his people for 40 years in the wilderness. They had always had everything they would need to feed their family. You can see the ark was so much more to them than just a box of old religious relics. It was a representation of God's presence among his people, his word, his authority, and his provision. Faith in all three of these attributes of God's presence is what unified his people together with one plan, one goal, and one path. And they all crossed the Jordan together with unified faith and reliance upon God's word, reliance upon God's authority, and trust in God's provision. Let's look at the personal section called it Crossing Jordan Together. This was the sermon preview this week. Even when the waters rage, there will be miraculous unity among those who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. So I love, I love how God brings this entire nation of people together in the perfect way, behind the perfect leadership, at the perfect time, for the perfect task. All their different opinions, their agendas, their personalities, their concerns, their life goals, all their hopes, all of them for that moment all become submissive to God's plan. Their unity, miraculous as it was, stems from their shared faith and trust in those three attributes of God's presence, his word, his authority, and his provision. They were all held together by a strong allegiance to God's word, a strong belief in God's authority, and a strong trust that God would provide. You know, just like Israel crossing the Jordan, grace life must also metaphorically cross the Jordan into the new land. 
the Great Commission, go into all the nations, baptizing them, teaching them everything I've, I've told you to teach, God's word. I've given you all the power and all authority, and I will be with you always to the end of the age. Can you see the three attributes of God's presence there? His word, his authority, and his provision. Okay, listen, our journey is a difficult journey. You know why? Because we don't really know the way. We've never been here before. We don't know what will happen, what obstacles we're going to face. Like today, none of the toilet's working because the plumbing's broken, by the way. I don't know if you know that or not. Little disaster. That's okay. We're going through with it. Listen, there is no way we are going to be able to make this journey if we aren't unified like the nation of Israel was when they crossed the Jordan. If we, if we as a church, and we talk a lot about outreach and the Great Commission, I'm going to tell you something. If we as a church try to go into the land without being unified, everyone going their own way, it's going to be an absolute disaster. So how can Grace Life enjoy this same type of miraculous unity? What could we accomplish if we were unified together for God in the same way? What will it take for us to have this kind of miraculous unity, especially, especially when the waters are raging around us? You know, just like God led his people and carved a path for them, to the Jordan River, through the Ark of the Covenant. He does the same for us. You know how? We have an Ark. His name is Jesus. He is the personification of God's Word, God's authority, and God's provision. Watch this. Look at the first one. Revelation chapter 19, verse 13. And the name by which he is called is what? See, I wasn't joking. It's true, right? Look at the next one. Jesus came and said to them, all authority, ooh, in heaven and earth has been given to me. God's word, God's authority. Look at the next one. Do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink or what shall we wear? Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. His word, his authority, his provision. We will have miraculous unity when we obey God's word when we yield to his authority and we trust his provision. When we keep our eyes on our own ark, our precious Jesus, we will experience that miraculous unity as a church family. Look, it doesn't mean that we'll always agree. It doesn't mean that we won't have our own unique perspectives and insights. But when we keep our eyes on our ark, our differences become far less important than the journey we seek to take together. But when we keep our eyes on Jesus before us, following him wherever he goes, we will have one unified path. Look at this verse in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Isn't that awesome? Just like Israel, 
We're doing some stuff at Grace Life. Well, we've never been this way before. (laughs) Followers of Jesus, we know that we desperately need God's presence to guide us, don't we? Just like God did for Israel, Jesus has given us specific instructions for our path into the land. Those instructions are the Great Commission. He has provided us with a unified way into the land through his word, his power, and his provision. He gave us his word, told us what to teach. He said, teach everything that I've given you. He gave us spiritual authority, and he promised to always be with us. That's his provision. Look at this verse in Isaiah 43, verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm. I'm just going to read that again. Do you see how this is all connected? When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. As we cross the Jordan into the promised land, we need everyone, all of you that are part of the Grace Life family, we need you together looking to Jesus to lead the way. Sometimes the path Jesus has commanded for us to follow will not be a very comfortable one. It may not even be safe. It might be a little expensive. I have no idea. And the raging waters around us will tempt us to take our eyes off Jesus and pursue our own personal goals and agendas and desires and obsessions. You know what that is? That is us losing our confidence in God's word, God's authority, and God's provision. We will be tempted to turn away from the presence of God for an easier path, a safer path, a shorter path. But staying unified on his path would be easier Of course, right? If he calmed the waters before we reached them, wouldn't that be great? I'm giving you a path and don't worry, everything's going to be smooth and clear, no problems. But what if, what if we're supposed to, as a church family, by faith, trust God's presence together and step into the waters before he stops them? Trusting his word, his authority, and his provision will keep us unified as we go into the land, even if the waters rage. Dear Jesus, we are asking you to make our path clear. We're not going to try to race you. We're not going to try to pass you. We're going to stand back a little bit. And let you lead. Because we have confidence in the instructions you've given us in your word. We are in submission to your authority. 100%. And we know that if things get rough, you have promised you will provide. Now, Lord, we confess to you many times we short-circuit our unity because we start looking for our own word, our own authority, and our own provision. Lord, we confess this sin to you. We beg of you as a congregation 
each one of us as individuals and as a collective family, that you would keep us in line and watching you, following your word, submissive to your authority and trusting you to provide. It's easy for us sometimes to start trusting our own self or maybe someone else. But Lord, we know when we do that, we short circuit our unity. And that's going to be a disaster. Jesus, we beg of you by the power of your spirit, by the power of your word, keep us miraculously unified. So many different people in our congregation, so many different personalities and opinions and ideas. The only way we can be unified is if all of us trust your word, your authority, and your provision. Lord, give us the gift of faith, Ephesians 2. Give us the gift of faith that is not of ourselves, that will allow us to relentlessly trust your word, your authority, and your provision. Because we know that those attributes of your presence will give us the unity we need. And in closing, Jesus, we just, we just want to say we're kind of desperate. Please lead us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We love you guys. Have a great week.